here we are. Welcome to episode one of Doing Elite. It's me, Matthew Lewis, and astonishingly, inexplicably, I have alongside me Jermaine Beckford. How are you, Matt? I'm, I'm well, mate. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm to be totally truthful. I'm a little, uh, I'm a little nervous. This is this is exciting. I, I I didn't expect that we'd get someone of your caliber to just sit and talk to me about Leeds United. Ah, oh, don't be silly. Listen, I'm the one that's nervous. I'm. This is my CV. I'm, I'm trying to hand in a CV to you. I'm looking for a job as an actor. I'm just trying to get a role. I spent the last six months trying to get a role, so we're in the same boat. That's nice, isn't it? So yeah, here we are, episode one. Um, and this podcast is is it's basically a Leeds United show. Let's not beat around the bush. We are back in the big time, back in the Premier League with the man, the legend, the god, El Loco, Marcelo Bielsa in charge. And the kind of the little twist is that, unfortunately, throughout this exceptional period in our club's history I am 4,000 miles away in Florida in the United States and I have absolutely nobody to talk to about any of these emotions that I am going through Um, (laughs) uh, you know we've got American football starts up on Sunday NBA is in the, the height of the playoffs we've got baseball coming towards the World Series and I just need someone to talk to about football, real football, soccer, Leeds United. And so I've got club legend, Jermaine Beckford. Well, listen, look no further. Anything you want to discuss with me about Leeds United, good, bad, nice, ugly, whatever it may be, I'm here for you. And although you're not going to be here to watch the games, I'll watch them for you. And then I'll explain to you what's happened. Thank you. you. I'll give you you the the nitty gritty. I'll give you everything, the insiders. Whatever you need, I've got you, mate. And you can talk to me like the layman that I am. You know, I am am no expert. So it's going to be great for me as a fan to get, you know, Jermaine being the man on the ground, the man on the inside of the club as well. And uh, I guess the hope is that we're going to get multiple guests. You're going to get ex-pros, maybe some current pros. We're going to get maybe some famous faces. And yeah, we're just going to talk Leeds. Leeds in the Premier League. Absolutely. It's going to be a great run. We're going to have great fun. And we're going to have a great season as well. Let's uh, let's just get that out there straight away. We're going to have a great season. We're going to beat everybody. We're not going to lose or draw a single game. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be the perfect season. <laughs> well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the last season, the season that got us to where we are now, going up as champions. What's your, what's your take on it? My take on last season is one of relief, obviously, um, but of of sheer excitement and I'm proud as well I'm proud to to be associated with Leeds United but I'm also proud of everything that the boys um, on the pitch obviously the manager the chairman everybody have been through and, and, and everything they've done to get to that point you know it's not been easy there's so so many people that that even from my time at the club are still a major, major part of the, the football club now. And, and that's something that means a lot to, to them, but it means a lot to me as well, because, you know, those people that put in the work and the hard graft behind the scenes are also getting uh, the acknowledgement that they deserve, you know, and that, that for me um, has made this past year an unbelievable year for, for all of them involved. They've, they've been involved in some ups and downs, you know, <laughs> yeah. and that's, that's, that's something that's, that's everybody knows whenever you, you speak about ups and downs in football, there's no bigger ups and downs than than what we've had at Leeds United. I mean, they, they, they got to a point where, um, I mean, I'm not a, a spiritual man. I'm not a religious man. But they got to a point where I really started to believe in this curse that, that Don Revy spoke about. Because, I mean, I, I really thought we, we're just never going to get back there. You know, there, there, there were so many moments 
throughout particularly uh, the season before last but even this season when I just thought it's just going to happen again just the weight of the of fate is going to bump us out of these automatic play- positions and then we're going to go back into the playoffs and something's going to happen the amount of goalposts that we hit the amount of goals cleared off the line I just thought something is keeping us out of the <laughs> Premier League and I didn't know if we'd ever get back there were you starting to feel a similar kind of thing um Last season, we, we went for a little blip where we were miles ahead of the, the rest of the pack. Us and West Brom were miles ahead of, of um, Brentford, Fulham in, in third place. Um, and there, there was a moment where I thought to myself, oh no, not again. Not hmm. after last season, losing in the semi-final to Derby over, in the second leg. Like the first leg was, was a good first leg. Second leg was just, it all just crumbled. And I thought to myself, this is horrible. This is the last thing I wanted to see. Last thing I, I, I wanted to go through again, you know, and... Fortunately, we overcame that that rough period just after Christmas, I think it was. Yeah. And we we started doing things that we didn't do the season before. You know, we were winning ugly. We were getting, uh, we were staying in the games until the last couple of minutes of the game and then just blowing them away with a goal or two. You know, that's something that, that the season prior, we would have crumbled. Yeah. You know, everybody would have run out of steam. They would have lost faith. They would have run out of ideas on what to do to deal with the, the situations that, that were arising. Because obviously whenever teams come to Ellen Road or Leeds United go to, to any stadium around the world, the teams are looking at it as it's an FA Cup final. Leeds right. United, make no mistake, are massive, massive. And it's a huge scalp for any mm-hmm. football club to take, you know. So they tend to put a lot of players behind the ball uh, and make it really difficult to break down. And and this season that's just gone. We found a way to win ugly. And that's that for me was was absolute key. Well, I, you've touched on a few things there with, with regard to it being cup finals and the, we're, we're always having to, to play uh, against the occasion as well as just the 11 men on the opposition team. And yeah. um, I want to chat to you all about that, you know, your time at Leeds. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll come to I've got a bunch of questions for you later on. If come you, on, if, interview if, if you'll, me. If you'll indulge me there, um, we'll, we'll <laughs> get course. to that, certainly. Um, but you're right, you know, we, we, we came over that blip and we won, we won those five in a row right before lockdown. And that was major, by the way. Enormous. Absolutely major. Because everybody was talking about, oh, Leeds are going to run out of steam again. They're going to do what they did the season before. Yeah. In in a, a strange kind of way, I think lockdown came at a great time for us. You know, um, obviously all the everything that's happened around it outside in the world um, is far from ideal. But when you look at it from a footballing perspective, all the players got to have a rest, which is something that personally, I think maybe we struggled the, the season before. I think fatigue kicked in the season before. As soon as we came out of lockdown, we're straight back on it. Right. You know, I think Brentford were definitely the team to, to watch out for. They they were, um, I think they won pretty much all of their games, didn't they? After lockdown. Almost, then, so, right up until the end, yeah. All, didn't they? Yeah. And there was a part of me that was thinking, oh, I'll tell you what, we need to, to keep a, just one eye on them, just in case, just in case. I wasn't worried about them leapfrogging us, but you have to be, you have to be cautious about teams that are on a great run. But you know, you, you summed it up perfectly. We were doing things that we weren't doing in the previous season. Um, you know, every time we, uh, Brentford and West Brom asked questions of Leeds, we just batted it right back at them and said, right, your turn. Um, you know, we had that yeah. little we had that little social media banter with them saying, oh, Leeds United, you're up. And we just kept, we just, we just kept deflecting every single time. They'd win, we'd win. No, it was the other way around. It was the other way around because... Every, uh, Sky Sports and BT Sport they kept on putting us on first which gave us the most pressure because it's always hard when you have to play the day before or three, four hours before the other teams because everybody's watching you and seeing what your results are going to be so the pressure was on us every single game yeah. but as you mentioned as soon as as soon as 
the boys stepped out on the pitch, knocked them out, knocked them out, knocked them out, kept on getting those wins, getting those results, and then putting the ball straight back in their their court. You know that that was that was massive, but that shows the the mindset of the manager. And listen, we're gonna touch on we're gonna touch on Marcelo Bielsa later on in the show <laughs> yeah. because it's impossible not to. The guy's a genius <laughs> in in so many ways. At what point, as a Leeds fan, I mean, I assume. You're a Leeds fan. We can we can say Absolutely. that, can't we? You are Absolutely. Leeds through and through what, now. What gave that way? My Leeds United shirt, well, centenary shirt. Well, have again, you got one of these, by the way? Only real supporters get that's these it, ones. The centenary one. <laughs> well, you get them free, don't you? I, I have to pay for mine. That's a good point. I'll give you one of my spares. Oh, thanks, mate. It's very kind. <laughs> but I want I want to know, like, because as a Leeds fan, I couldn't accept it until we were over the line. There's some some part of it was just like something, anything that can go wrong still might go wrong. Yeah, but. When we scored that winner at Swansea, when Pablo scored that winner, I just thought, that's got to be it, hasn't it? That's got to be <laughs> it. We, we've, we've, we've broken this ability. Like you said, we were playing 90 minutes and we were and we were winning games ugly late on. And I just thought, is that the straw that breaks the camel's back that these lads can go, we've got this? What, what was the point of where you thought, yeah, we're going to do this? I think it was that game. I think it was that Pablo goal. It was, oh, mate. I think I was in the stands and, and anybody that was there that day will tell you I was losing my mind, jumping up and down like a madman. It, oh, mate, honestly, it, uh, words escape me. <laughs> Genuinely, I'm, I'm, I'm searching for the, the, the right words to use to, to express my emotions and my feelings for that day. And I, I just can't find them. Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I got goosebumps. I was ecstatic. I was over the moon. I was excited. I was nervous. I was worried. I was cautious. I was pleased. I was grateful. I was thankful. Uh, like there's so many, so many different um, words or phrases I could have used, but I was emotional. I think mm. emotion, the emotion kicked in more so than anything. And it was re- it was one of relief and frustration because I wanted to be a major part of it. I wanted to be on the pitch scoring that final goal, but right. to get us over the line. But listen, I'm a massive fan. I'm a Leeds United fan. And, you know, everything that Leeds United done for me on the field and off the field, it's impossible for me not to be. So um, I just enjoyed it, mate. I just enjoyed it. Well, you know, part of the reason we're doing this podcast in purely selfish terms is that all of these moments that we've that we've enjoyed over the last couple of years, I've had to sort of enjoy by myself. Um, you know, that, that, <laughs> yeah. that goal at Swansea, there was me and my dogs just sitting there getting excited. My wife's like staring at me like, what the hell's wrong with you? She doesn't understand. Um, and yeah. so it's nice that to, 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 to be able to share this with someone who has, the, the you know, that same passion about what these moments mean. Yeah, absolutely. I was reading just today, actually, that, you you know, you, you I think you've said that one of your dreams was to play in the Premier League with Leeds United to get Leeds up to the, up to the Premier League. Um, absolutely. You know, they're there now. What do you think? How are we going to do? Well, I keep on saying to to Marcelo Bielsa, to Andrea Radrizzani, to Victor Orta, listen, I'm a free agent. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me. <laughs> free agent. Don't worry about medical. We'll sort that stuff out later. You think you can still bang him in? Just give me like five, ten minutes at the end of the game. I think I'll be all right. <laughs> when everybody's exhausted. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> that suits me down to the ground. Um, no, do you know what? I am... Um, Obviously, I'm not playing anymore, but I'm I'm there, seeing the game from a completely different perspective now. I'm seeing it from a from a pundit's perspective or from a commentator's perspective, but mainly from a fan's perspective. And I didn't realize how frustrating it is to be a fan, kicking every ball, heading every ball, screaming at every player, yeah. um, telling them where they should be, where they shouldn't be. Why did they do that? Like it's it's mental, honestly. And for every time that I've given the ball away 
or missed a shot or had an off day at the office to the Leeds United fans I am sorry (laughs) I'm sorry because I understand the frustrations now I never I never got it then but I get it now (laughs) yeah it's it's um I mean you know luckily for for yourself as a a Leeds uh man when you were playing they were they were relatively good times you know um the the, you were at Leeds for what four years four and a half four and a half and they were good times you know that, they were that, amazing. that that promotion season was excellent, and then honestly, you've, you've got the cup run that we had. These were good, good times. You know what it's like to play at Leeds when when it's going well and the fans are behind you. Absolutely, and and Ellen Road is heaving, it's bouncing. The roof, if there was a roof on it, the place would be lifted off. Anytime we stepped out into the tunnel, every time we scored a goal, every time we won a game, honestly, it, we had some amazing times. Absolutely amazing. One of my favourites. Um, and it's not it's not playing for Leeds United. It's when I signed my very first contract for Leeds United, you know, because on the Saturday I played non-league. I was playing non-league football for my local team, Worldstone, uh, which was uh, in the Ryman Premier League. Uh, I scored a load of goals in not many games. Um, and that was on the Saturday. On the Sunday I signed and on the Monday I trained for the first time and the Tuesday I played against, um, I came off, the bench against Crystal Palace at home and I'd gone from playing in front of 60 70 people maybe 80 if we were lucky to 34 and a half thousand <laughs> mental Leeds United fans and genuinely there there was no feeling like it no sensation like it like the goosebumps that I got that day and every day since that I've spoken about that moment have just been so surreal so surreal and to be able to have lived the moments to like that you know it's it's dreamy it's mental did you do you feel the pressure at Ellen Road immediately the second you went out there I mean you, you were young you were fresh you were hungry but did you suddenly feel the weight of pressure of Leeds fans at Ellen Road not in that first game not against Crystal Palace I, um, I only played maybe 10 minutes or so less than 10 minutes in that first game but the pressure I got was in the next game that's when I felt the the, the most pressure because that was Wednesday during the daytime uh, we had a day off Wednesday so during the daytime I'm still getting acquainted with with Leeds City Centre so um, I was living in Headingley which as a 22 year old is a brilliant place to live by the way yeah. um, <laughs> can't confirm <laughs> so um, I was exploring Leeds I was exploring Leeds City Centre I was looking for somewhere to get my hair cut I was looking for places to, to get food because I wasn't really the best cook in the world Um I was looking for things to, to keep me amused, keep me occupied, to, to take my time up. Um, and it was only when I was walking through the city centre that I bumped into my first Leeds United fans. I had my first encounter with Leeds United fans uh, one-on-one, not not in the stadium or coming out of the stadium, but in like a, a private setting. Like I was walking, minding my own business, not realising that, you know, playing for Leeds United is humongous. I knew it was a big deal, when I signed, but I didn't realize how big a deal it was until this guy, and take into account, I'm 22 years old at this point. There was a guy, he came up to me with his grandson and he must've been 65-ish, 70 maybe. And he said to me, you are my idol. And I was like blown away. I was thinking to myself, hold on a minute. I'm, I'm like two or three years older than your grandson. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, this, this sort of thing I wasn't, I wasn't used to hearing first and foremost, but then to hear it from somebody as experienced as this guy, he, he's got a lot of life experiences that, that kind of blew me away a little bit. So I took time to, to get to know him. I, I spoke to him and I think he was a, a retired teacher. And I just, I just spoke to him about himself and his, his missus, his grandkids, etc. He had three grandkids. He had a couple of kids. Um, and, you know, just hearing about him and, and how we became a Leeds United fan um, from his grandparents, etc. and so on and so forth. That was, that was the moment where I said to myself, all right, well, wow, this is, this is something crazy. This is something crazy. I, I don't think I was ready for it. I really don't. And so that 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 was a factor when you're going into the next game and you're thinking, right, this is this is different. Yeah. The next game, I'll be honest with you, that pressure, I felt it, <laughs> mate. <laughs> I felt it that time. The weight, the weight was huge. And we were we were flying in the league as well. I think we were third at the time. Right. We were pushing for promotion into the Premier League and we got to the playoff final uh against Watford at Cardiff. Don't remind me. Move move yeah, on. Yeah, I know. Past that. I know. My frustration is we would have won it if I was playing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue. No, do you know what? I was um that was that was a frustrating moment for me. That was my first real frustrating moment um, playing for Leeds United because I'd been uh, something completely different. I was a different type of, of forward to what we had at the club at the time. We had mm-hmm. some amazing football players like Robbie Blake. We had Richard Creswell. We had David Healy. We, like the 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 list was endless. And I thought to myself, listen. I'm, I'm completely different to these guys. Technically, these guys have got, you know, something amazing, but they don't have my rawness. They don't have my pace. They don't um, move like I do. You know, like I, I still needed to learn a lot, but I feel mm-hmm. like if I would have been put on the bench, at least, you know, I was a, a completely different option and I would have made the Watford defenders work. I, I would have run in behind them. So it made them run towards their own goal, which defenders hate doing. The one thing I've learned over the years as a defender, you can't defend against pace. So if you've got a quick forward up against you, the last thing you want to do is is get in a foot race with this guy. But that's what I wanted to do. That's yeah. all I wanted to do, race with people. So we were in the um, in the changing rooms before the game and Kevin Blackwell left me out, which was frustrating. So I, I took it on the chin. Obviously, I'm a young boy. This is new to me. I'm, I've only been at the club for a few months. But a couple of the, the senior players, um, Kells, Gary Kelly... Um, was one of the main ones. He went up to the gaffer and he was like, listen, I think we need to have him on the bench at least because he's unique. You know, he's off the cuff. He's he's raw. We don't know what he's going to do. You know, nobody knows what he's going to do. So that's, that's, that's brilliant. If he doesn't know, the defenders aren't going to know. So you can't defend against that. So just put him on, put him on, please. And Kev was, uh, gaffer was just like, nah, he's not ready for it. It's not his time. He'll have his time. This isn't his time. It'll, 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 we'll, we'll sort it out next season. We'll, we'll win this easily. 3-0 down later. I'm sitting in the stands watching, thinking, oh, this is not nice. This isn't good. And then obviously we we went through the the whole heartache of um, getting relegated that following season, et cetera, et cetera. That was, that was another painful experience. I could see you getting frustrated there, mate. Not as much <laughs> as me. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, it's ironic that... that, that you know, they said that you weren't, that they felt that you weren't ready for the occasion. I think the whole team looked a bit overawed that day, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we didn't, was... we didn't, we didn't turn up. No. We didn't turn up, you know, which was, which was frustrating because that team we had was brilliant. Every single one of them were brilliant. So exciting. Eddie Lewis, um, left back, well, left wing back, USA International. Exciting. 
He was one of my favourite players. Do you know, I wear Lewis 11 on my back of my shirt to this day because of Eddie Lewis. No way. Because I went yeah, into that's, the... Le- that's pretty good. <laughs> well, actually, I, tell you, I went into the Leeds United store. Uh, and they're the only, le- the only letters they had left. <laughs> I, tried to, I tried to get Lewis 9. I tried to get you. I tried to get your number. And I had Lewis 9. And they said, oh, no, Lewis plays 11. And I was like, oh, just put 11 on. I couldn't be bothered. Exp- I'll take it. I'll just take I, it. I couldn't be bothered explaining that that was my actual name. And I just went, yeah, just, just, just put 11 on. And I've had it ever since. <laughs> I want to get into all that. I want to get into, you know, the, the, the ups and downs of, of, of your career at Leeds. And I want to go quite in depth um, into that later on. Yeah. Um, but before we, we do, let's just let's just go back to, to this this season, this one upcoming on Saturday. Um, and, and, you know, what are, what are our expectations for this year? Um, realistically, you know, what, you know, as, as you are well aware, even though we've suffered a great deal over the last 16 years, we still expect to do well, don't we? We're kind of like those England fans that no matter what, who's in the team, no matter... We're definitely going to win the next World Cup. We, yeah, 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 yeah. We're just, we just expect <laughs> to do well, don't we? And, and, and I think we deserve to do relatively well this season. Um, so, so talk to me about, you know, our, our hopes for this year and maybe our concerns for this year. Um, and, and realistically, you know, without if you took the Leeds tinted glasses off, realistically, how, how do you think we're going to do? Do you know what? I've, I've been having this conversation with so many people um, recently. I've, I've spoken to a lot of Leeds fans and a lot of them say the same thing. Oh, we're going to be pushing for Europe this year, aren't we, Bex? And I'm like, listen, guys, first things first, we take it game by game. We need to make sure we we cement our Premier League status first and foremost. That's That's got to be our minimum aim. That's got to be the first milestone we reach. That's got to be it. Once we do in December, then we can look at propelling ourselves further up the league. But what I want to do is I want to make sure that people understand the Premier League is no joke league. Even though we flew through the championship and was by we were by far the best team in the league, you know, obviously the league table, the standings, the points, the goals, the everything is there for a reason you know we we cleaned up in terms of the stat possession uh, yep. possessions goal sh- uh, shots etc etc the premier league is a tough tough league to play in to navigate through um so we need to make sure first and foremost we we take liverpool seriously they're the premier league champions they won the champions league last season as well which is phenomenal as well in its own right oh i think i've i think i've got the misses there <laughs> um yeah, so we're, we're playing against the Champions League winners from the season before um, and the Premier League winners from last season. Yeah, They've got superstars in every position. They're not going to be a walkover. So we need to make sure we, we go into that game first and foremost with the same mentality that we have in the very first game of last season and the very last game of last season as well. Um, once we do that, I don't think we'll, we'll have to worry about... Um, relegations or anything like that we've made some amazing signings uh in some positions that I feel we needed to strengthen as well and it doesn't look like we're finished yet I think there's there's a couple more that are that are in the uh in the sights of of the guys at the top of the tree um but they're not bringing in any and everybody you know they're bringing right. in players that they know will fit into the system they know how to play the system that we play with the intensity that we play at as well so you know that's that's something that I have to take my hat off too. The the recruitment has been absolutely amazing. 
Well, I mean, there's all this talk about, oh, Leeds are doing a Fulham, they're doing a Villa, you know, who got went straight back down after spending £100 million. But if you look at the facts of it, I mean, that's simply not true. We're not, we're not buying a whole new team. We're not going to be uh, making a mess of the changing room atmosphere. We're, we're, we're buying key players, maybe three or four first teamers, tops. And then looking into the academy as well and the reserve teams, yeah. Which exactly. is key. That's that's exactly what, what um, Fulham didn't do last season and, and Villa just about managed to, to scrape through in the, the skin of the teeth last season, you know. They bought players because players were available to them. We're not buying players just because. We're buying them because they fit and they, mm-hmm. they're an improvement of, on what we currently have. You know, I think that's that's the key. You have to, if you're going to bring players in, they have to be better than what you currently have or equal to so that it improves your squad tenfold. That's that's the key. In the Premier League, you've got to have a strong squad. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, your, your, your players are going to end up fatigued and they're going to run out of steam. It's inevitable. Fortunately, it looks like uh, Marcelo Bielsa, Victor Orta, Andrea Radrizani are doing exactly what they they need to do. They they see where the strengths and weaknesses are. They know where we need to to replace players. Obviously Ben White was a massive loss to us because he was he, for me he was the best player last season up with Calvin Phillips up there with listen th- that list is endless in terms <laughs> of who had an unbelievable season. Yeah. Um but because we we're, we're unable to to get him back Brighton were were quoting a, a ridiculous sum for him. Mm-hmm. Um which unfortunately for, for himself and us, we're not going to be able to see him playing in a Leeds United shirt anytime soon, maybe next season when they get relegated, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you look at Rodrigo as well up front. He's brilliant, you know, Spanish number one. He's got Champions League experience. He's played in um, the top league in, in Spain for, I don't even know how long. He's played over here as well. You know, he had a, sh- a short stint over here while he was younger. So he's, he's got an idea of what he's coming back into. Um, but Marcelo Bielsa won't let him just jump in at the deep end without having a real understanding of first, work rate. And secondly, what it's going to take for him to to keep his spot in the team. I, I think it's quite clear that the players they're looking at are players that uh, feel comfortable in this system um, mm. and that are very keen to work the, the, the Bielsa ball standard. You know, they're, they're, they're keen to, to play for the team. They want to be, you know, moving all around the field, the high press, all, all that kind of stuff. And it seems to me that he's, exactly like you said, he's not throwing money at, at the big names just to get them in. We're throwing money at, at players that he's confident will fit into his system above above anything else. With that in mind, let's talk about uh, Rodrigo because, you know, one thing that I do want to impress on people during this podcast is that I'm not a journalist. I'm not an expert. Um, you know, I've been a Leeds fan all my life, um, but I'm very much just, you know, I, I like to watch the games. I like to go to games, but I'm not a stat man. So that's why I feel so privileged to have an actual pro on on here to talk to. Oh, thank God for that. I thought you were going to say an actual stat man here. You had me worried for a second. No, a, a, a pro, a pro who's been there in amongst it and you can see the value of what players do that potentially a fan observing from the stands or from their, from their sofa. Might not understand. Might not yeah. see, might not understand. So let's talk about Rodrigo. Let's talk about Bamford. Um, because as everyone knows, everyone talks about with Leeds United, we create a million and one goals and we don't score anywhere near that so how do you think uh, within Bielsa's system that Rodrigo and Bamford will work in the Premier League are we going to see goals we're absolutely going to see goals 100% Um, you have to look at 
the way players play, and I've been speaking to Patrick as well, Pat Bamford. Um, I spoke to him in the back end of last season and, and this season coming as well, the off season, sorry. I have a um, lot of time for Bamford, by the way. I love I, the guy. I see his work rate and the things that he does off the ball. For me personally, I just, I see him and I look at his stats as well. I have, I have seen it from time to time. And yeah. he just looks like he brings so much and we look a different team without him, frankly. Exactly. And and this is this is a frustration of mine because I've I've played in that position and I see the the differences between myself and him. It's it's frustrating for me as well because I would love to play up front with him because right. of what he does for the team, for what for what he does for the squad. He his work rate is brilliant, his attitude is amazing. He's such a genuinely nice person as well. And you know, he tries so hard. And whenever people are saying, oh, oh my gosh, how has he missed that? He's beating himself up more so than anybody can beat him up. You know, he he's trying his hardest to, to train as much as he can and practice finishing, practice being in the right place at the right time. But what you have to remember, remember as well is being a number nine and being playing in a, a formation where there's only one centre forward, you've got you're up against two centre halves. So those two centre-halves are going to either try and shepherd you away from goal out to the left or the right, or they're going to try and push you back to the halfway line. What he does really, really well, he goes out wide. So he takes one of the centre-halves with him. But what that does, it creates a massive, massive space in the middle for whoever's playing in the number 10 role or one of the two wingers to cut inside uh, and try and exploit that space. And we've done that so many times this, uh, last season. But he gets slated because... He misses. He he might have one or two chances a game, and and that's that's pretty much it. But they're good chances. He's wearing himself out doing all the the hard work, all the doggy work, so to call it, um, to create these these brilliant chances for everybody else. And as long as we see players like Jack Harrison, Helder Costa, um, Pablo, obviously, and and whoever else is coming in, getting in the right position in the middle of the field to to score the goals that we scored last season. Patrick's always going to be getting, he'll always be judged on the goals that he doesn't score. People don't respect and appreciate the work that he does do. And do you think that Rodrigo is a player uh, similar to Bamford? Do you think they're going to play a similar role and interchange? Or do you think they can they can play together? What, do you, what would you put, where would you put Rodrigo? It's a difficult one, really, because nobody really knows what Marcelo Bielsa is thinking. And I would love to say, yeah, they'll play along, alongside each other because I love seeing two uh, two strikers up front together. You know, one running in behind, one coming to feet or, you know, one coming into feet and the other one making a channel run or whatnot. I, I loved seeing two players playing up front together. But if we played with two centre forwards, it takes a player away from one of the other positions that we we currently have an overload in. You know, we have five players in midfield, three in the centre of midfield that overload and overrun anybody they're up against. We've got the solid back four. Um with the two wingbacks pushing on as well. Then you have Calvin Phillips dropping in the middle uh, in between Coops and, and whoever else is going to be playing there. So if we went two up top, it would take away either Klitsch or um, Pablo or, you know, it would take somebody else away yeah. from from a, a pivotal position in the re- in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I want to see, I want to see 3-5-2. I want to see us play 3-5-2. But for that to be the case... And our fullbacks can do that. Our fullbacks bomb on all day long, you know, mm-hmm. and that's something that um, Bielsa loves to see. He loves to see his, his wingbacks run it. I don't think anybody covers less than 12K in a, a game, you know, nowadays. 
in my day, I think we, we were lucky if we covered nine, mate. <laughs> or is that just me? That might have just been me. <laughs> but well, talking about that, talking about the 12K a game and, and the outrageous uh, fitness levels of this Leeds United team, yeah. how, how do you think that this um, short pre-season uh, with this international break jammed in the middle of it, how do you think that's going to affect A, the current squad um, mm. coming back together and B, these new lads that are coming in? Look, I've, I've seen Leeds train under Bielsa. I wasn't supposed to and I wasn't allowed to. Um, I was kind of, I was doing a little bit of that. A little oh, yeah, bit of spy game. On, was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what I was watching is they, they had one football um, and no footballs around the outside of the field. Um, and they were just practising running from point A to point B as fast as they could. And that, that might have been around maybe 15 metres, 20 metres long, as hard as they could, as fast as they could. As soon as they got there, the next person sprint as fast as they could and so on and so forth. And once the last person had reached the first um, point B, they would go from point B to point C as fast as they could. And that, again, would be about 15, 20 metres. They did about, let's say about eight to 10 of those. And then... They got a ball at the end where they had to um, try and break the opposition team down after they'd done these 10 really, really hard, fast sprints. So I'm just looking at the faces of the guys and they're, they're exhausted. They're, they're breathing really, really heavily for um, trying to get their, their breath back. And then they would have to play really, really quick football, counter-attacking football against a, a back four that would just wait in there. So they're obviously fit and fresh and, and ready. They've got bags of energy. Um, and once they'd gone on that attack, they'd have like 30 seconds rest or whatever it was, and then they'll do it again. Having seen that firsthand, I don't know how many times they did it. I, I, I was kind of gently ushered away. Here go, Bex. This way, mate, this way. Um, I don't know how many times they did it, but when they'd finished training, I was in. I was indoors waiting for them all to come in to have a little chit-chat or whatnot. Um, and they, they, were, they were finished. They were finished, honestly. They're, they were absolutely exhausted. I don't think they could have given any more than they had done. And I think that's that's absolute, absolutely key to what Bielsa brings to this club. He's got so much passion in himself that it, it you can't help but let it rub off on you. And every single one of these boys sees what Bielsa puts into his research, his the way he, he um, analyzes opposition. They have to give that much, if not more, to get that respect from him, mm. you know, and that in itself will help to elevate them from like fives and sixes up to sevens, eights and nines, you know, and that's, that's massive, massive. Well, is that, I mean, is that the big draw of, of Leeds United at the minute? Is that why we're in a, a fortunate position that we're looking at some of these names because they're looking at Bielsa and they're, you know, we all know Leeds is a big club. That's not up for debate. Massive. Um, I think massive you know, is the word you're looking for. Exactly. We're, we're, <laughs> we're, a, we're a massive global club and you know looking at Leeds in the Premier League sky's the limit but the players individually look at Bielsa and go I could go to Leicester I could go to Chelsea or whatever and be the same player or I can go to Leeds United under Bielsa and become an even better player than I currently am they, they look at Bielsa and say if I worked with this guy he will take me to levels that I didn't even know I could get to you know speaking to to a number of the current squad, Stewie Dallas, um, Calvin Phillips, um, like literally any of them, you could you could put their names in a hat, pick out any five of them, and they'll tell you the same thing. He's taken them from a level that they were, they felt they were pushing themselves to a level that 
they never imagined in a million years they can reach. You know, we've this is this is pretty much the same squad that finished a couple of years ago, um, mid-table. I think it was 12th in the championship. Not really going anywhere, not really playing any good football. Like we we looked average. We looked average at best. He took that exact same team to the playoff semi-final after blitz in the league. You know, the first game of the season, I think everybody was watching the game thinking, hold on a minute. What What is going on here? You know, what team is this? You know, he had every single one of the boys fit. He, he had the, the boys playing a, a type of football that was sexy. It was a mm-hmm. beautiful way of playing football and something that we hadn't seen at Leeds United for decades, you know? And he's brought that back. He's He's got us playing a, a really attractive way of football. He's got us dominating possession, but he's also got us working harder than anybody else in and out of possession. And that, for me, is major, major. It's a major draw. You know, There's a if, if I were fit now, and if I was a, a few years younger with a little bit more energy than I have to, than I have got, I would be I would be desperately trying to get a move to Leeds United, desperately because I know where where I was able to get to, but if I was pushed by somebody like him, and I'm not saying that the managers that I worked under didn't push me, they did, and I feel like I I was pushed to a point where I felt I couldn't go any further. I felt like I'd done really really well and and I'd reached I'd reached the limit, but. I can't help but think if he was pushing me, where would that have taken me? Where would I have been able to get to? And it, and it feels like, you know, players, coaches, everyone who's sort of uh, worked under him, met him, everyone just seems to fall under his spell. You know, this this footballing god. I mean, he's just, every, everyone seems to talk about I just read about this, uh, Jamie Carragher just wrote an article, um, which I, I, I'm struggling to even believe, but he says that Leeds are now everyone's second club. I mean, who I know I've seen that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm scratching my head, saying, "Excuse me, what? Leeds United, everyone's second club. Never heard of such a thing." Well, everybody, everybody hates Leeds, don't they? Exactly. <laughs> Not anymore. But it's the Bielsa effect. Everyone's just under his spell. Absolutely, but that comes from the man himself. You know, he's he's the kind of person that when you see him walking down the street, he's got time for you. He will he will stop and he'll have a chat with you. You know he's got a, a clear pencil case and a and a schoolboy's notebook that he he carries around with him everywhere. <laughs> and if you see him in Tesco's or Sainsbury's or Morrison's or wherever it is that you, you wherever he shops, he will always stop and he'll always put his pen and pad down and he'll always have a chat with you about football, about life, about school, about work, about whatever it is. And that is something that appeals to to everybody. You know, not only Leeds United fans, but to fans around the world. Because when was the last time you seen a manager stop and genuinely show an, a, a real interest, a real intrigue in in you as a as a football fan, as a person? I don't think it happens, and I don't think it it happens very often. If it does happen, he's probably the only one that that will stop and and genuinely say, "Look, how's your day going? Oh, you look a little bit upset. What's the matter? How are you?" You know, I, yeah, it's 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 mental. I think that's that's part of the draw as to why everybody's like, oh, I'll tell you what, I guess I do like Leeds. Yeah, I guess I'll support them. Even even from all the way over here across the Atlantic, uh, it feels to me like in this in this world of of global football nowadays, where mm. the superstars from all over the world come in and they play for clubs and and do they even really understand the history of those clubs? Do they understand the community of those clubs? It feels like in the last couple of years, Leeds, and this is through you know Rad's uh, Orta and Belser himself and the players, they yeah. feel like to me from 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 as far away as I am, 
that they have reconnected with with the city of Leeds, with the Absolutely. community and the fan base in a way that I've not seen in a long, long time. And I just feel, okay, naturally, success will always do that. It will always bring, you know, people together. But there's just something about the way the club's being run and the kind of people that are running it, Bielsa specifically, it just feels like a community club again. Yeah. And and it, there's such a, a sense of good faith around it now. Everyone just is just so happy to be riding this ride. Um, I don't want to talk about if it ever ends. Um, because, <laughs> it because right, don't worry. It just feels so <laughs> it just feels so special right now. Um, mm. And that's why I'm so sad to be missing it, to be totally frank. Um, oh, don't worry, <laughs> I'll enjoy it for you. Thank you, mate. <laughs> Well, we'll get back onto talking about Leeds in a minute, but in the meantime, do you like beer, Jermaine? Uh, yeah, I do. I do, actually. Not loads. I've got to be sensible. But perhaps maybe you like eight beers that you might get in a case for five ninety five. How can I say no to that? Well, I'll, I'll tell you how you can say yes to it, because there's some people who can help with that, and that is the team at Beer52, who we're delighted to have sponsoring us on this first episode of Doing Elites. They have a great offer for you. It's eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet. That's on the planet for free. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash loot. Cover the postage, which is £5.95. And the team there will sort you out. Well, to give you the official blurb, Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case of beer to every month. Each month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea, and all over the USA and Europe. And you don't even have to sign up for life. If you change your mind, you can cancel at any time. So just go to www.beer52.com forward slash roots to get your first case of eight beers for £5.95. Okay, Liverpool at Anfield. Did you play in a Merseyside derby at Everton? Are you having me on? I scored your d- <laughs> It's just the eye, that's why it's one. Uh? It's only one sentence on the Wikipedia. I missed it. Were you really in Harry Potter? Were you? <laughs> Go on, tell us about your goal, come on. Oh, I'm not going to get into it. It was a great finish though. Great finish. <laughs> and what's, what's it like Anfield as a cauldron, you know, for an opposition player? It's intimidating. It's intimidating. Um, as I mentioned, with, with the fans there as well, the fans are vocal. They're mm-hmm. not shy. They're not shy at all. And especially wearing the blue of Everton as well, they all they want to do is take your head off. If I'm honest yeah, with you, right. so um, it's something that I've, I've I'm, I'm used to. You know, we've um, I've been fortunate enough to play in a lot of uh, massive derbies, uh, massive games at some some massive stadiums as well. Um, I think if you if you're not ready, you, you'll you'll be swallowed up by that place. I really do. Because I feel, I mean, just as a casual observer, I feel like, you know, if those sort of big historical clubs pack out their stadium, it feels like Liverpool is one where the fans are really passionate, really vocal, you know, not like your, your prawn sandwich brigades at Arsenal or Man United and stuff like that. But at <laughs> Liverpool, you've got, it feels like they're, they're you know, they're, they're real passionate supporters. It must be a, a hell of a place to go and, and score, a, score a winner, eh? Yeah, it was it was unbelievable, especially taking into account I'd just been slaughtered by every single one of their fans when I went to take a throw in. Yeah, it was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do you know what? It was amazing. I, I, as I briefly mentioned, I've I've been fortunate enough to to get myself in situations where fans of every opposition team that I play against hate me 
But I, <laughs> I, I've always loved that because it shows that I'm doing something right for my current team. Um, so there's there's one of two ways of looking at it. You can either crumble under the pressure and think, oh, they don't think I'm good enough or whatnot. Or you can you can take it as a compliment and say, right, well, I accept that. I accept you booing at me. I accept you shouting at me and calling me X, Y, Z. But you better believe I'm here to do a, a serious job on you now. And I'm going to take it extra serious because you don't like me. Uh, and do you think there's two types of player? That, that are, like, do you think there's a player like yourself and then there's another player who might crumble under that kind of hostile crowd? 100%. I've seen it firsthand as well. Um, I'm not going to name names right. yet. We'll wait for a couple more episodes. Let's get more in. comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's see how this, let's see how this plays out. Um, but, you know, they, they've been giving it the big one in the changing rooms and in, on the coach, on the way into the stadiums, etc. And then we get to the game, go onto the pitch and, you know, you, you look into their eyes and, and their eyes aren't there. Their eyes right. are looking looking around the stadium, looking at the fans and you can tell that everything that's going on around them, they're crumbling inside. Right. And it, it hurts you as well because without this person, this player, it's making your job even harder because you're, you're down to 10 men at, mm-hmm. a, at a hostile venue. You know, the last thing you want is to be down to 10 men. You want every single player you've got to be working 10% above their usual standard, which will give you... 110% more which is an extra player you know right. if you if you look at it like that so th- that was something that really really frustrated me and I like to think I'm I'm quite laid back I'm quite a laid back um, guy off the field but whenever I'm on the field I hate losing losing is not something that's I, I won't accept it I, I don't like it I'm a sore sore loser I hate losing and if I if ever I saw somebody that I saw losing their ability to to the to the atmosphere and not really focusing and, and forgetting what they're there for, you better believe I'm letting them have it in the changing room. Um, out of this current squad, I don't think we've got anybody like that. I think everybody will go into it really strong-minded, uh, mentally strong, focused, because um, I can't see Marcelo Bielsa accepting anything less than 100%. You know, He's not afraid to make a change in the first half. We've seen him take off Patrick Bamford at half-time after he scored a goal. You know, so if he's able to do that to to somebody that's just put us ahead, um, then he's he's not prepared to to accept anything less than one hundred percent. So I'm I'm certain everybody's mindset going into the game is going to be really really focused. It better be anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I uh, on that note, I have kind of put myself in it a little bit because uh, being out here sixteen years, we've waited for this return to the Premier League. I've uh, I've been trying to find a bit of atmosphere. I've not been to a pub since March. You know, we've all been. <laughs> Being, being yeah. smart about this um, but I thought I can't I can't sit and watch this on my own with the dogs in the living room I can't do it so I've been I've been looking around Florida I've been trying to find um, some somewhere to go um, and I was thinking of setting up a, a supporters club so I'm trying to get off, that, off the, that's, that off the ground we're going to be Great talking idea. about that every week how the progress I've made at that yep. um, so far I have my friend Rich who's an American who's out here who's, who's never watched a game in his life I have <laughs> uh, his 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 10 year old son's friend who is also 10 years old who inexplicably <laughs> knows all about Leeds probably knows more oh, than wow. me about Leeds United he's, he's completely obsessed I don't know how where it's come from but he's he's member number two and I think we've got <laughs> your auntie I think he's going to be member number three my auntie lives in Florida Fort Lauderdale which is not too far yep. from yourself so I'm going to uh, listen I'm, I'm just going to pre-warn you now she is nuts <laughs> 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 
in this podcast we want to give a shout out to some of the amazing charities out there doing incredible work to support those less fortunate the last few months have been very very tough for everybody particularly the homeless community and we all know the big issue they support thousands of vendors across the uk many of whom saw their livelihood badly affected during the lockdown as people followed advice and stayed at home thankfully the vendors are now back out across britain They've been given PPE and increasing number of card readers so they can accept cashless payments. The magazine costs £3. Vendors buy the magazines for £1.50 so they make £1.50 on each trade. Always take the magazine, guys, please. That comes directly from the Big Issue team. During lockdown, they even built a new subscription system. People anywhere can now buy a subscription to have the magazine posted to them every week. Go to their website for more details. They've also launched an app if you prefer to read the magazine that way. Just look for The Big Issue UK on Apple Store or Google Play Store. The money raised through the retail subscription goes straight back to helping the vendors. The Big Issue is a social enterprise, so profits are reinvested. Please support your local Big Issue vendor and grab a copy of one of the UK's finest weekly publications. Well, I guess we will bring episode one to a close. Thank you very much, Jermaine, for being my co-presenter in week one of Doing a Leads. Uh, it's a dream team this is, mate, I tell you. Should be all right. <laughs> well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. I've, I've no idea. Uh, spread the word. Uh, doing a Leads coming weekly. Uh, and it's me, Matthew Lewis, and the Leeds legend, Jermaine Beckford. It is indeed. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Tune in next week. Cheers. Hashtag MOT.